You are listening to a podcast of the Geek.io Media Network. For all of our shows and more, visit geek-io.net. And to help support the network, head over to patreon.com slash geek.io. Now for a listen. Konbanwa, Anime Otaku Show Yokoso. Good evening. Welcome to the Anime Otaku Show. You may have heard these words before, but I'll teach you what they really mean. Remember, we will be discussing all episodes up to the ones we talk about tonight. Anata go supporta o kimishi nanara soyo. If you don't mind spoilers, welcome. Go beyond! Plus! Yes! Go beyond indeed. Konbonwa, everyone. This is the Anime Otaku Show, episode number 18. And for the third week running, I know, I'm sick of it too. <laughs> I am your host, Josh Diner-style Instant McGrath. And joining me in the magical worlds of anime are Carrie, the noodles that jumped through time, Wilcox. Never get tired of the snack. And we're a little shorthanded tonight, so we thought we'd roll out the uh, out-of-body experience, Raul Garza. <laughs> Hello. And, uh, yeah. Let's see. Well, I guess since I've got nobody else to uh, really throw this on that isn't already helping shoulder things uh tonight's shows we're talking about magical girl or the season one episode 12 finale watashi we're talking about food wars season three episode 24 the basis for strength which is also is it a split or a finale at this point i think it's a finale because it's it's the season finale yeah season season three finale we're also talking about, of course, the wonderful, the delicious My Hero Academia, Season 3, Episode 12, the be- end of the beginning, beginning of the end, because it's not the season finale yet. And thank God it's not the season finale, Darling in the Franks, Season 1, Episode 22, Stargazers. Oh, uh, it's going to be a little, little bit of a shorter show this week since we're only talking about one episode each. Uh, so yeah, it's been a it's been a ride through most of these shows. Uh, Magical Girl Ore, I think, kind of surprised everyone at this point. Yes, it did because we thought it was going to be fluff, just yeah. pure nonsensical, ridiculous cotton candy of a series. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be oh, it's a deconstruction of the genre. They're going to show all the stuff they do with the female um, with the magical girls but they just they're just male but no they had to give it they had to yeah, give it we got substance. legitimate plot and character development and an actual pretty surprising twist along the way like I am still amazed that they managed to pull the wool over the eyes with the freaking manager being the demon lord Oh. They they had that pinned on Hyoe-san so perfectly. Like, it was just enough where it wasn't too much to throw up all the red herring flags, but enough to be the, oh, hey, this is just them being, you know, super genre savvy. He's actually the bad guy, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually the blood red eyes is a dead giveaway. And 
a lot of the symbolism in the uh, in the ending thing too, like the fact that um, because white is the color associated with death in a lot of Asian cultures, typically you'll have the heroes wearing black or other dark colors and the villains wearing white, which is a reversal of Western culture. Hmm. Um, and you've also got Hyoei making the shh, uh, you know, face and pulling on Mohiro's coat in the uh, photo shoots that they do. Like, he is very much portrayed in, especially the ending theme, which the openings and endings are usually significant to a series. Yes. And he's, they throw up flags even in that, that he is not to be trusted. And it turns out he did have a secret to keep, just not the one we were thinking. And he is sly as fuck with it, too. The, oh, aren't you going to get in trouble for telling us? I didn't tell you anything. <laughs> he specifically had Kokoro tell them so that he actually didn't divulge any secrets. He neither confirms nor denies that he is he the very friend. no rules. Exactly. It's it, it's like uh, Pinocchio's uh, thing in Shrek Two, where he gets all, "I don't know, n- not that I knew that where he's located at this very." Moment. He starts getting the political jargon going on. Yes. <laughs> it's not like I and don't all- not know. <laughs> and we also know why Hyoe is one sly motherfucker. It's because he's a fairy, and they are Prince. notoriously sly. Prince of the fairies. Yeah. next king of the fairies. Yeah, that makes him a prince. Right. And holy crap. And then, okay. Um, someone's got a stalking problem. What? No, never. A lot of people in this series have a stalking problem. But with pictures. Holy crap. It's like she has every emotion plus every other thing as uh, Sakuyo, right? Yeah, Sakuyo has Sakuyo. Ha- has a fixation. It is not particularly healthy. Mm. Well, I mean, it did help a little bit for a while. But like, you look at the pictures and they're just like, Okay, you you're just uh, taking a picture from behind her. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then there's this face that she just looks completely sick. It's like, really? What do you have? Like, a hammer? All sakis are good sakis, right? Holy crap! And then the out of nowhere, you see the manager. At, it was the last episode, or the last week's episode, where he sees another pair of idols doing a street concert and you're just thinking oh hey so we're going to get a little bit more character development on the manager right I mean we did well yes and then we show not not what we were expecting no like where the hell did that come from left field which is why I love it because this show is so fucking random that they kind of needed a twist that wasn't foreshadowed. Yeah, I mean, it's random, but it's the good type of random. Yeah. A random where, like, at the end, all the pieces fall into line, and you're just like, 
Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, if this were a serious series and something like this had been pulled, I would have called it an ass poll because something like that, you should be able in a, in, in a serious plot to go back and rewatch and see, oh, here were the road signs pointing to this. I just didn't recognize them for what they were. But something like this show, having it just come out of fucking nowhere with no real clues, other than, you know, the manager being obsessed with magical girls and wearing a cape in the middle of downtown Tokyo. <laughs> we should have known something was up when he was able... Well, I don't know if that was just the the art style, but the episode when they're in karaoke and he's able to change his his facial structure. But again, that just comes off as part of the show's randomness. Yeah. And that's kind of the brilliance and that's kind of why I like the way it was done for this show in particular. Yeah. And then like in this final episode, he shows what his motivation is. He's like, he can't go back to demon world and he can't go back to the human world. He wants them to be the most successful magical girls ever, I mean, just like a manager. He could he could have stayed in the human world if he hadn't deliberately tried to destroy it. Just saying. <laughs> True, but I mean, what's the worst that he did? He took he took the production value out, right? That was still <laughs> fantastic. The <laughs> fact that the, the fact that the the big boss monster was sucking up the production value. But not, but not in the normal way. Literally making everything look shittier. And they even did it to one of the main characters as well. Yep. Did two of the main characters. Yeah. And they they even did the. Uh, they did the what? What is it? I I know there's a specific term where they use kanji to draw out faces. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I, I can't think of it right now, but it was it was hilarious just to see that going on in the background and nothing lining up and all of the, the, the all of the background just being like you know, badly shaded in boxes. Heno heno moheji, is what it is. Thank you. I knew there was a term for it. And it's literally because those are the characters that make up the face. Hmm. Ah. Uh, and then. But yeah, it was just good stuff. Uh, and then Saki gets the that moment where it's like, okay, manager is like trying to force her her hand to to defeat him, and he electrocutes uh, Mori. No, Mohiro. Mohiro. Hey, at least I, I I got the M right. By the way, I fucking love. Okay, even I'm starting to get worried about him now. Oh, yes. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> he has no idea what's going on or who anybody is or what anybody is. He's just chilling like, out. There's Cloud Cuckoo Landers and then there's <laughs> Mohiro-chan. Mohiro, I mean, damn. I mean, he's just like... That man is on a completely different level completely different dimension of space case I mean I, th I thought Dr. Franks was dense holy shit 
<laughs> I mean, Dr. Franks is dense, but he's still observant. He still notices things. Mohiro... He happened to notice that particular thing, but... Yeah. 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 Um, Mohiro's just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to sing. I'm going to talk to animals. The animals just come to me. Eh. He is... He is a Disney princess. He is off in his own little world. And then how how they explain uh, how they get to their final, final fight with all the demons. Oh, yeah. I've just been reusing I had, them. I had to tweak the respawn timer, and, you know, that kind of made things go screwy. Like, the funny thing is, that's a really, like, actually intelligent... <laughs> Rationality. Yeah, it's just not like out of nowhere. Like mess with the coding of things. It makes things go. It's like, oh yeah, I had to up their respawn time, and I guess that kind of gave them a survival instinct, and now they're murderous. Right. Yeah. Now they have evolved specifically to hunt magical girls. And then they do the, what is it like, paragraph long final attack. Oh my god. And I, I also a, love... A paragraph-long final attack that refers to itself as being a final episode attack. Yes. Also, let's not forget Saki uh, breaking the videoing equipment. Oh, yes. Hi, Death My Mage! Hey, Death My Mage! Yeah, she didn't want to give uh, the manager what he wanted. Yeah. She didn't want to become popular falsely. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, because it was all a setup. Yeah, and like she said, like, are you really saving people if you're putting them in danger so that you can save them and get famous from it? Isn't that the... Oh, what is it? Fighter Fighter Syndrome? Or Savior Syndrome? Where, like, you purposely, like, um, start the fire so you could come in and save them. It's some kind of syndrome because, I mean, that was literally the name of the villain in The Incredibles. True. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he, was he was causing problems so he could solve them. And we saw how well that worked for everybody. Well, no, I mean, it didn't work out for him because he made the mistake of wearing a cape. No capes! Um, but yeah, and then we get a really surprisingly nice ending. Yeah. It shows that, okay, they retired from being magical girl, pop idols, magical girls. Because they wanted to be able to do it on their own without the manager's help, right? Mm -hmm. Because the manager... Well, they, 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 they just wanted to do it, period. But... With the manager gone, that should have meant the demons were gone, which means they had no more reason to be magical girls. Yeah. And they didn't want to perpetuate his version of popularizing them, so they wanted to go back to doing it under their own power, which is admirable. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the best of choices, considering uh, Saki's voice, but... <laughs> Oh, I mean, Ore can't sing either. But when when you look that good, yeah, you don't really have to. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Ore is the reason Auto Tune exists. Oh. <laughs> the question is: is 
Is Mojito ever going to learn the truth? I, I doubt it. I, I don't I mean, think... It's not I... like Saki walked up to him. You may fall in love with me now. That was the best. I mean, could you imagine being in his, in his head for like five minutes? Like, I mean, it'd be spacious. <laughs> True, but I mean... Okay, do you guys ever have... have have you read Hyperbole and a Half? I know Josh has read at least some of it because mm, I forcibly no. read it to him. <laughs> um, for those of our listeners who do read Hyperbole and a Half, a Mojito is basically Simple Dog. <laughs> we need more context. Um, hang on, I'm working on it. Okay. Yeah, the I mean... is coming. Ah. Uh, but, I mean... Oh. But, yeah. This series is just... We, we get this really nice resolution, and how does the show end? With Mohiro, once again, getting it over his head. Except with regular humans. And needing to be saved. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, it's a nice, sweet anime that not if you're going in expecting something, throw it out out the window. Yeah, this it's a it's a convention breaker, and I love that it makes fun of the tropes and it defies your expectations, and it's just a real fun time. It really is. And, and then, especially the, the the little the little viewer joke at the end of at the end of the episode, where uh, Prisma is talking in the diner. Yeah, and it's like, hey, one one of those maybe it was like maybe it was like with us. One of those girls over there could be Ori. No way! It's actually Saki and Sakio over there. Yeah, <laughs> still fight, still fighting, still fighting crime and demons. By the way, except with Kokoro as their manager. Thank you, Loki Robert, for backing us. Loki! Thank you. And I I, I can't be upset about that. (laughs) Um, So, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, and the final scene where they have someone buying their CD. Yes. I'll take one. (sighs) That was adorable. I kind of wanted to be one of the girls from the previous episode that the manager bought the CD from. That would have been really adorable. I mean, that can be uh, that can be headcanon for sure. Headcanon approved. That is that, that that's fantastic though. But uh, but yeah, that was that was magical girl Ore. It was a ridiculous romp that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a real good, uh, I guess, somewhat of a relaxing anime at times, but then well, I, I mean, it's it was, something it different. Was pretty, it was pretty, quote unquote, straightforward, ridiculous most of the way through. And then we had the episode where they were lampooning the anime industry. Yeah. You know, where, where the staff literally went on vacation. 
Yep. I forgot about that episode. <laughs> the the Hot Springs episode was not what a Hot Spring episode would have been in a standard Magical Girl anime. It and that twist at the end was just beautiful. Like when we when we read the synopsis for this show and CJ was like, ah, I want to you know check this out. Let's watch the first couple of episodes. It's like this sounds. And then we started watching it, and it's like, what the hell is this? And why am I laughing so hard? And why am but I it, invested in these characters? No. It's, it's a real good show. I mean, it is. Is it, is it the end all be all greatest thing of the season? Probably not, but it was really enjoyable. <laughs> and I was genuinely surprised. Yeah, if you want something fun, if you're having a bad day and you want to laugh, watch this show. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's pretty accurate. Like I I was I was having a real bad day when we pulled up the first couple of episodes, and five minutes in, I'm laughing my ass off because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. And it, when something can entertain you to that level and make you forget about a really shitty day because it's that balls-to-the-wall, over-the-top nuts. It's a good thing. Uh, so, oh, man. So, good show. I'd give it about a 5 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment. It's definitely something people need to watch because... Well, it's pretty much like people the, who... The creators who, took a chance. Yeah. Um, people who understand, like, what the magical girl genre is. Like, th th this is... This is probably the best counterfoil to something like Madoka Magica we've got. Yes. Because it takes the magical girl genre, subverts it, but doesn't make you hate life afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Madoka Magica. Yeah. Oh, Cause, shit. Well, because Madoka Magica, number one, Uro Butcher. Um, and number two, like, it's it was a dark and gritty take on Magical Girls. Whereas Ore is a loving parody. Yes. They're both subversions, but in, like Josh said, opposite aspects. Mm -hmm. so... so, yeah. Um, well done, Ore. Well done. <sighs> So if uh, you need a little bit of uh, meat to follow that sweetness that was Magical Girl, we have Food Wars. Oh my gosh, I suddenly want instant yakisoba now. I'm not <laughs> even joking. I wish I'd picked some up from the grocery store. It's always tomorrow. Indeed. But yeah, I mean, to, uh, to, to, to no one's surprise... We get the uh, the noodle episode, and Ishiki Senpai's prediction comes out to be true. Go figure. Yeah, um, but I, it's like amazing that they just didn't like show the. I mean, they showed the cooking process. Both of them were great meals, great dishes. I I would go to town. More so on Yukihira's because I don't like shrimp. But if that had just been, you know, straight up super refined soba with like, you know, some chicken or pork tempura, something like that, that'd be fine. I'm not a shrimp person, but 
other than that, that meal looked fantastic. But it's... and this is this is something they went into with the evaluations by the World Gourmet Organization. <laughs> when Soma made his dish, he made his dish with the fact that they were on a chilly fucking mountain. Yes, another and... a variable that most people wouldn't take into account. But, and this is really funny because just a couple weeks back, I was watching some uh, just some random YouTube videos, and I happened upon one by uh, Alton Brown, mm -hmm. the uh, you know the TV chef, the freaking amazing individual TV chef, musician, everything that he uh, is, all rolled into one. Uh, food by science. Yeah, um, he was talking about. Uh, the things you need to do with airplane food. Because when you get to high altitudes, it dries everything up and it weakens your taste buds. And for Soma to take something like that into account is really damn brilliant. <laughs> and he's not thinking... He's, he, he's not thinking by the seat of his pants anymore. He's exactly. Still, which has carried him through to this point but he can't keep doing it that way he needs to think his plan through and he thought of it he knew he wasn't he's he's not the greatest skilled chef like practical skills knife skills all that stuff right and he's just like oh yeah he's looking at the three types of wheat from uh is it buckwheat yeah, buckwheat flour. Yeah, and he he knows that there's three different kinds, so he went with the one that matched the environment, so it wouldn't be dried out. And he knew that if he stir fried it, he will he he's able to get that harsh flavor from it. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing is, it's it really goes to show how different something that is essentially the same thing can be mm -hmm. to, to go from uh, was it Kunihira Kinokuni Kinokuni thank you I know I, I can hear CJ screaming drink now um, <laughs> that super refined elegant oh these you know th this is angel hair noodle basically it's that divine to Soma's give me this entire bowl and then bring three more <laughs> because that looks like something I would go to absolute town on just give it to me uh and but but it's both they're both soba noodles mm -hmm. yeah and I, I really love that this show brings that sort of creativity and chefs to light that you can do things that aren't you know just one note and if you do you, you kind of lose something in the process and I, I like how they made her taste her food and right? just yeah, like, don't, I, wa I wasn't talking about his food eat your food yeah and it's just like and she notices it there's something off it's great food because they devoured it but it's, it was off and that was just yeah. a mistake that she didn't realize because 
she has been raised on soba noodles her entire life. Yeah, this is the correct way. And that's what the Azami administration is all about, is here is the right way, emulate. Yeah, with no room for imagination, creativity. It, it, it's really kind of a funny parallel because, you know, they, they made all that fuss about Soba using the, uh, the noodle-making machine. Azami wants to turn cooking into the noodle-making machine. He wants everything to be the same way every time, and that 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 is what gourmet cooking should be, and that is so inherently wrong to everything that makes food good. I mean, we've come a long way from the discovery of fire and figuring out how to cook meat in the first place. <laughs> There is so much to the world and so many different ways to do things. The possibilities and the, you know, the combinations and all the different interpretations you can have on just one simple thing like noodles is incredible. And that's not something that should be taken away. And that's really number one reason why I hate Azami. I love food. Don't fuck with food. And the great <laughs> thing is, like you mentioned, yeah, Soma's not, Soma's not flying by the seat of his pants anymore. But he's still improvising. It's just far more analytical and focused. The, oh, I can't smell the flower the way I should be. Therefore, I should do A. Because I do A, I should do B. Because I'm doing B, I should do C. And it's this chain reaction as he adapts to the circumstances that are in front of him while already having a basic plan to go off of. Because like they mentioned, his strength is a diner chef yes I, I like how they're keeping that as his base as his yeah he, he's he's not you know super amazing you know brilliant god mind chef he has a lot of experience knowing how to make people happy and that is basically the most important thing with food it's it's not about base nourishment anymore. It's not about just getting the 2000 calories and vitamins and minerals that you your body needs to function. It is about having something that you enjoy, a food that you look forward to, something that can make you happy when you're not, you know? And yeah, granted there's, you know, the flip side of that was yeah, there is such a thing as enjoying food too much. And that's something you need to watch out for, but that is that that is where we are at with food now is that it is something for people to enjoy it's an art form in and of itself yeah i mean what's the real difference I, there probably is between the noodles that are hand cut and the ones that are pushed through the machine like soma had once takes years of experience the other one you just pass through the machine and they're all the same thickness well and and like Erina said you know okay yeah handmade by an expert is better than the machine but machine made by someone who's never done it before is always or hand yeah hand a machine is always better than handmade by someone who's done it before yeah I can talk <laughs> 
j j just because it's handmade doesn't necessarily make it good. It has to be handmade well, and if you can't make it well, hey, here's this machine that can also make it well. If you can't make your own traditional soba noodles, machine bought is fine. <laughs> um, they did kind of speed their way through the final match. I mean, we didn't even get to see the final match. Yeah, but we, nothing. that goes back to Carrie's comment in the previous episodes about not even remembering who this fifth seat villain was. Oh, I don't know either. <laughs> like, she is that forgettable of a stand-in character. They didn't give her much of a design other than Lady Duo Maxwell. <laughs> the no. sad thing is that the character with the worst design got the bigger spotlight of the two villains. Um, I don't remember who the uh, rebel representative was. Megishima Tosuke, the former third seat. He will be back. Okay. 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 He ain't done yet. <laughs> oh, man. That's just like... Yeah, you're right. I mean, they covered up... What was it? At least two faces? When, when they brought out the new Elite Ten? I'm, I'm pretty sure they showed everyone. Well, no, they, no, they, but they, like, they, they, they had them kind of like shaded or shadowed. They didn't really show um, Fifth Seat Fillin's face because she had the hat on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Shoko, I think her name is. The, the duo Maxwell wannabe. Yeah. And... Um, but I, I, I think everyone else was pretty clearly displayed because one most of them have already been there to begin with I'm wondering and... what that guy with the big knife is going to do oh the uh, the wannabe samurai guy yeah he looks pretty interesting <laughs> I love that he just carries it around by the way the man's got an aesthetic and he's going to stick with it I do like his giant ass knife better than Momo's fucking bear so unhygienic <laughs> um. So, and then we have at the very end the conf not confrontation, but the little chat between Soma and First Seat. Yeah, outside the bathroom. Yep. Well, you know, like you do. Yeah. At and least it wasn't a like, literal pissing contest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it's like you 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 wouldn't be able to beat me with that dish. He wasn't trying to beat you. <laughs> That is true. Oh my god. And so, is it, like how you were saying last week, is it they keep cooking until they're all out, or is it like different each round? Yeah, but basically the three people that were beaten in this in this first round are gone. The three rebels who fought the first round can still take on more people. Oh, okay, but like this next round, I wonder, well... The, the next round know. is probably going to be three different people, just for kind of a refresher but yeah. I mean Soma did say well you know why don't I take you on next round so he might go back to back but it's not required oh, okay. it's basically they're going to keep cooking against each other until one team has no players left yeah uh, it's a it's a game of dodgeball but you can't resurrect players once you're out you're out oh, okay and last man standing that team wins oh my god and and uh, direct and the director so pissed right now 
Oh, I loved that when he when, when he you know comment collected said, "Oh, we're gonna take a break," and turned around and walked off, and he seemed. Yeah, he's biting his yes. glove, and he's just like Get mad, you little shit. Uh, and then you have the uh, the big three up in the in the VIP box. Yep, just watching. Yeah, Dad, and even even though they tried to shade them out, it was very clearly Dojima and uh, Grandpa. Yeah. Damn it, Nightbot. <laughs> oh, Nightbot. Uh, we love you, but we hate you. He's so aggressive. But it's only to death by mage. What are you doing? Well, it's it's. I think it's letting Josh get away with the caps because Josh is a mod. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Sorry, so, Death I mean, by Mage. We don't mean, <sighs> we don't mean to bait you into caps. So this is pretty much. It, it's it's shown in with with food, right? It's shown in bullshit with cooking. Yeah, yeah. it's it's and literally not in the Toriko fashion, which is real damn weird. It's Iron Chef, the battle anime. Flash high school anime. Yeah. It's like so do they just get up to high school and then just stop taking regular academics? It's just all food? Well, I mean, middle only up to middle school is compulsory in Japan. Oh, really? So yeah. So they're this probably only cooking. Hmm. So it, it's a as you would say, like a technical school, a technical high school, a uh, a trade yeah, pretty, high school. Pretty much. I mean, like, and there's even like even the middle schoolers have culinary classes as well. But yeah, I mean, there are there are people in Japan who get full time jobs straight out of middle school, and that's their career. Hmm. And even the kids that go to high school. Like it's perfectly legal for them to skip because it's not legally required for them to go. It's considered optional. But don't they pay for high school over there? I do like, not know. Tuition wise. Well, okay. I mean, if your kid's a little shit, you can pay all the tuition you want. You can't force them to go legally. Uh, that's true. Um, all right. Uh, Death by Mage says they do have to pay for tuition in high school. Hmm. All right, so I'll give you guys the uh, the choice. Which which track do we want to go on first? Well, do do we want to end on a high-ish note or a high note? Yes. Okay, let's do let's do Darling first, and then we'll see off my hero and and end on a really high note. So yeah. Darling in the Franks, Stargazers. Once again, excuse me, Trigger, who gave you the right? All right, it was me for turning the series on. God damn it, Trigger. So, <laughs> we have growth. I mean, there's there's character development in everyone. They're they're struggling. I, I, when I was watching this episode, I'm like, they could have ended it last episode. But the story's not over. I know the story's not over. But in some other anime, they would have just had, oh hey, they got the ultimate weapon. 
They defeated them. They're going off into space now. The end, right? Could have, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. they could have just ended it right there, had it open for a second season. But no. No, I'm not saying that they're not. They're not finished twisting the knife yet. <laughs> knife? I've got a knife in both sides at this point, with death flags being waved everywhere. A red knife and a blue knife, and they're gonna cross in the middle. Right oh. in the heart. And then we finally, oh my god, this one where like, they're, they're all realizing that's like, holy crap, we we have to survive ourselves. And that, that's the thing too, is Plantation 13 kids, Squad 13, they apparently get right on. Yeah, because they've... What next? They've done this before. Yeah, that's true. They already had the what next moment when Mistletine was abandoned the first time around and they were shut off for experimental purposes. And in addition to that, because they're an experimental squad and weren't subject to the same mental conditioning as the other parasites, they are capable of independent thought. Yeah, and like, they've taken, con not in a bad way, but they've taken charge of everyone taking care of everyone everyone has their rations they're, they're being leaders is what they're doing yes like actual legitimate leaders because every last one of them is out there working the fields preparing food and you you, you see this around sometimes it's a picture of like hieroglyphic glyphic style someone sitting on a throne on top of a block being pulled by a bunch of people and then it's labeled like, you know, boss or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the picture below that is that same figure at the front pulling with everyone. And it says leader. And that is it. Mm -hmm. A leader does not do or ask, ask the, those underneath them to do something they are not willing to do themselves. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And then the nines are all fucked up. The nines are super fucked. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody around to give them maintenance anymore unless the adults in Garden survived, and we don't know if they did. I, I don't think there's much outside of the, 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 the handful of Hachis and Nanas. And... Yeah. So <laughs> we, saw, we saw how useful the one is. Yeah. I can't do anything without Papa's approval. Uh... And then we get the 100% confirmation. Yep, Kokoro up the duff. Yep, and it's it's really a really clever but disturbing reveal on how this society operates that a pistol who is pregnant it is described as the treatment for pregnancy is usually abortion. Yeah, like it's a disease or an illness or an injury. Because, because, hey, a pistol can't pilot a Franks that way. Yep, and that's all she's good for, according to them. So, so they, they, it's not something, it didn't sound like it was something that they were surprised at. Like, the, the new Nana didn't seem surprised. It's just what was in new, the records. New Nana has no emotions and doesn't know what pregnancy is. Ah, uh, Oh, yeah, because she's just reading it straight off of the console. 
The only person who knew what pregnancy was had her mind wiped. And that was Kokoro. Yeah, that was. Which, that scene in general gave us some real emotional gravitas. Because not only was Kokoro freaking out because she didn't know what was going on and what she had, you know, gotten herself into without remembering getting herself into, but you get some real damn... Oh, hey, Dave. Hey, David. Nice to see you again. Uh, you get some real, like, just almost emotional whiplash out of Mitsuru. Right? I wonder if he's starting to remember... I, I think he is, and I think that's because of um, connecting with her in the in the Franks again. It probably undid some of the mental brainwashing, because mm -hmm. even though they both took their rings off, he seemed several times like he was like digging into a pocket for it. Yeah. Oh, and and then we have Doctor Franks thinking dead. ahead. Yeah, dead. Yes. But thinking ahead and sends an email to Hachi. Yeah, get Nana, take her here. Surprise, it's all the quote-unquote failure pistols and stamens in cryosleep, including Naomi. She's not dead. She's, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. They literally put her in the fridge. Ha! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But and yeah. for once, I'm not mad about it. Well, no, because, like, th this was clearly done for a reason. Th this was pre-mediated, -medi probably by Dr. Franks, knowing that something was going to be going very wrong at some point in time, and knowing they needed to do something about that. I mean, because we get a bunch of other info drops this episode. The fact that Mistletine itself had soil from before the world was fucked up. Because, surprise, while these kids work their asses off trying to grow crops so they can survive, the stripping of the magma energy has made it almost impossible for the ground to support plant life. Hey, that's not a statement about the state of our ecosystem at all. <laughs> and they, they show that the... Claxosaur are launching rockets into space. Yep. Like the Claxosaur are, are com they're completely ignoring them. They haven't piloted a Franks in ages. There's dust on everything. I mean, there's there's more important things for the Claxosaurs to be doing. True. Yeah, fighting Virm. And yes. also, if the because the kids are trying to sever their energy on magma, or they're trying to sever their dependence on magma energy, they're less of a threat. Yeah, so, because the Klaxosaurs were only attacking on instinct, basically, because hum humans were mining the magma energy, which was their own people. <laughs> and also mining the corpses of their own people to turn into Franks. Yeah. So, really, humans were, once again, the bad guys all along. Except, you know, in this case, we were kind of outshone by space assholes. Yes, and then we have... Hero at zero two. So. Zero two. Th this was pointed out by uh, side by side clip comparison. 
and it's absolutely heart-wrenching. When he's trying to get her to eat, the say ah, the exact same thing she said to him while trying to feed him the honey-soaked bread way back in the first couple episodes. Mm. Ah, thanks for the sub, Loki. Hey, thank you for the sub. I enjoy a good sub. They're quite delicious. Thank you, Loki. Um, but yeah, I, and then we get, we get the craziest of the drops this episode. Like everything else we kind of saw kind of coming. Like we, we all knew Kokoro was actually pregnant. We all knew that shit was going to go super south for the nines. And it did not quite the way we were expecting it to, but it did. Yeah. They didn't actually go batshit and try to fight everyone. <laughs> no, they well, started no. literally breaking down. Well, there's only, was it three of them left? Isn't it? The other ones might still be in the infirmary, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so Zero Two starts developing these phantom wounds and wandering off in her catatonic state. Because surprise, she's not actually dead. Nope. And that's a good thing. But she's unresponsive. His, her eyes are thousand light year stares. And then, by chance, because his condition is still progressing... Hero makes horn contact with her and finds out Boing. oh Zero Two's consciousness is stuck in Strelitzia and the phantom wounds she's suffering are from her connection to the giant space weapon that's currently fighting and so what does our boy Hero do? I made a promise I'm going to her <laughs> And he just shows up. Hey guys, I'm going to space. Bye. Yes, death by, ma death, death by mage. It was the horniest touch. I mean, <laughs> they are teenagers. So yeah, this show isn't over yet. It's not done fucking with us yet. And we're going to space. Yes, everyone is going to space. And they have a moment, uh, Hero and... Uh... Oh yeah. Goro takes no shit about this turn of events. Yeah, it's like, when have you ever thought about anyone else but yourself? But yourself. And yeah, Hiro's pretty selfish when you stop and think about it and look at it, especially from Goro's perspective. Hiro has been, from the start of the series, very self-absorbed almost, in a sense. Not necessarily in a terrible way, but Hiro does things Hiro's way, and in the early arcs of the series, that's what everyone is drawn to because he is shining his own personal light so brightly everyone flocks to it like moths to flame. Yeah, it's not malicious, it's just what he does. Yeah, he's, he's doing him. He is living his life. Yeah. And ain't nobody gonna stop him, even when the best bro punches him square out in the face and says you're a selfish dick. Yeah. Oh. In more eloquent, eloquent words, but you know. But, uh, yeah. Everybody is going to help him because are we ever going to find something like that? We get a lot of deep introspection, all of the characters, about, you know, what it is that Hero and Zero Two have and what it is to fight for something that you believe in. And even the Nines, they're trying to downplay it a little, I think. But 
well, we were made to fight, so we might as well fight something. <laughs> it's like, no. No. Well, Zero what? Two is basically your big sister slash mom. You're going to help big sister slash mom. <laughs> they are, and they're not coming back. Because one of them said space is as good a final resting place as any, or something like that. And no one made a suicide mission, and they're okay with that. They're literally falling apart, and if it's true that there's nobody left who knows how to perform maintenance on them, they're going to die anyway. So they might as well go out fighting for what's good. Yeah, they, they and how are they going to get into space, you might ask? Oh, the Klaxus or Princess left them a spaceship. That they can get into because she made them able to get into it. Or rather, she made it so they could get into it. Yeah, and, and that was the thing, was you get that nice little flashback to her telling Hero that she can basically choose. Yep. And uh, what was that data um, that oh, yeah. had all, all the back... Those, all those people were just backed up on a hard drive, apparently. Including and, all any, of their memories. Anybody who ever had their mind wiped wiped apparently has is backed up on a floppy <laughs> and possibly the like just the adults from the plantations as well maybe mm. but yeah everybody's everybody's on a backup so they're gonna get all of that cultural information they're gonna find out all of the things that they're missing is there is would our our floppies big enough to be backed to have us backed up on them is the question. I, I don't know. So. I'm, I'm pretty sure the human consciousness is a pretty substantial amount of data. Uh, I believe it's 1.44 megs, I think, for on a floppy. Maybe, maybe it's a Klaxo floppy. It can hold a few dozen terabytes. I don't know how much of a human consciousness. I think the human consciousness is like a couple of petabytes. There we which, go. So. Which, uh, which a pe one petabyte is a thousand gigs, so maybe like four or five petabytes, I think. Okay, so a f one Klaxosaur floppy to hold a dozen human souls. Not souls, but human memory banks would be quite a few petabytes of data. Indeed. But yeah, it, it has been a wild ride thus far, and it Darling ain't done with us yet. So, uh, we're gonna see just where the hell this fantastic voyage into space takes us. But we're going to get the girl. Josh, Josh, you're getting your Gurren Lagan ending because the giant robot is piloting a giant robot fighting other giant robots in space. Oh my god! <laughs> Drill in one hand, bitch in the other, saving the day! I mean, it is a giant spear, so... I oh. love you, Trigger. So... I hate what you do to me sometimes, but I love you. So, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in it now. The nines are, are going to die. They're, they're, they're going to go out in their own fla blazing glory. The, the nines are wearing their death flag. They're the only ones dressed in red. We geeks know what happened to the red shirts. Yeah. But they are going to die a fucking hero's death. Yeah, um, the, the, the reds are going to give us our trigger equivalent of the Kamina or um, Kitan. They are going to, at the last minute when we you know need it most, going to turn around and be big damn heroes. 
and do something good of their own choice for once. Yeah. Because keep in mind, they were one of the ones that, well, we can't do anything without Papa's orders. Now, oh, well, if we're going to fall apart, space is as good a resting place as any. They're making their own choices. Nobody's telling them to go to space and die. They're like, well, if this is going to happen, we might as well be helpful. Um, wait, they left Zero Two behind, right? Well, they haven't actually left yet, is the thing. Okay, yeah. And it would make the most sense for him to take the body with him, so he's got something to put that displaced consciousness back into. Yeah. Oh! <gasps> put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. I've I got one last thing. Nana becoming a parent. Nana becomes mama. Yeah. Yes. Getting out of her wheelchair and taking steps of her own volition, which is highly towards, significant, towards to go a, and hug that uh, child. Yeah, crying child just goes and embraces them and is just like what a mother would do. And it's just like, without a word, you just know it's like, it's okay. She's being the comforting parent, something these kids have never known, something that none of these Franks pilots have never known but have desperately needed. And that is why Dr. Franks had that pre-programmed message ready to go. You need to get this specific Nana, and you need to take her here so that she can fulfill her own destiny, basically. Yeah, and we even... I like, too, the moment where she's like, why did you bring me back here? You should have just left me alone and left me to die basically and then all of the squad 13 kids and come and pile on top of her <laughs> talking about how much they missed her and how much they need her help and what do we do this show has been something else you know what else has been something else Thrilling heroics. Oh my goodness, this is the aftermath episode. And what, the is, first one, anyways. Yes, the first one. This is one of my favorite moments in the entire series. This is one of the main reasons I was so glad that they didn't kill All Might. Number one, I just fucking love All Might and didn't want him to die. Number two, that is so cliche for the mentor character to die in order for the young protagonist to step into the limelight. Having All Might forced into retirement but survive is way more interesting from a story standpoint because you still get the world without the All symbol Might. of peace. Yes. But now you have All Might trying to reconcile the fact that he is now powerless. He has to go from being the one to jump in and it's okay because I am here to pouring all of that into somebody else and then standing back to let them do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like in the previous episode, I didn't bring this up, but like I should have um, scolded, should have uh, corrected Midoriya more. He he wasn't a teacher. He wasn't. He's not a good teacher. But the fact that he re he realizes that, and that he needs to change to help Midoriya. That he needs to 
scold him for doing things by the seat of his pants for not thinking um especially when it's Midoriya and we all know that's his strong suit yeah and but like he did um uh what's it called he did uh I don't want to say congratulate him but he when, when he did the whole slingshot thing um he did acknowledge that that was smart able to get Bakugo away without staying out of range of the villains I fucking loved that scene so much where he actually hugs Midoriya and says how happy he was that he was able to get in and out without getting hurt and this is really where we see that father-son relationship shine. Because, guys, where's Midoriya's dad? Where's his biological father? We have no fucking clue. It's could... always been Deku and his mom. We oh. hear about his father mentioned briefly. Yeah, that he could light that, things that on fire. He, he could breathe fire. And his mom can levitate small objects. But we have never seen his dad on screen we've never heard him mentioned in an active sense and we've never seen izuku's mom work hmm so either he's dead and they're pulling a real damn good pension or he's one of those salary men who's never home either because he's working ungodly 24 7 hours or because maybe he's working across the country or working overseas and sending money back to his family but either way, he's not an active force in Midoriya's life. And as we go into this episode and the more heart-wrenching parts of it, and we start getting some flashbacks, and the flashbacks that we've been getting throughout the entire series as a whole of Izuku as a child, it's all with his mom. It's his mom who's taking him to the doctor's appointment where they tell him he has no quirk, that he should just give up on being a hero. It's his mom who's pulling up his favorite All Might videos on the computer. It's his mom who's pretending to be in danger so Tiny Izuku can rescue her. That was great. I am here in his All Might pajamas. Oh, can we talk about someone else's mom? So, this episode, we get introduced to Bakugo's parents. Remember last episode, how I was saying I couldn't wait? for you guys to meet Bakugo's mom. This is why. Holy yeah, Baku crap. Bakugo doesn't take after his dad. How did anyone tame that woman? They didn't. That's true. I'm pretty sure we know who wanted what, right? She married the man that she loved or just wanted to marry for whatever other reason. Probably loved. And she is who she is on her own terms. And she is basically, she is what Bakugo would be if he learned some fucking self-restraint. And that's exactly what she says to All Might and Aizawa. Please help him not be a little shit. <laughs> almost, almost literally. Yeah, I mean, this, this happened because you were so fucking weak. And she, she calls it out, and she points out one of the reasons that I love Bakugo as a character, but why he's so fucking insufferable. 
He's got good genes. He's got a good quirk. He's he's basically been lauded for petty things his entire life, and he turned out this way. And yeah, it's kind of our fault. And then she points out to Aizawa that, you know, she was really glad to hear him say what he said at that faux press conference. That if the villains thought they could get an edge on Bakugo and turn him to their side, they didn't know the first thing about him. <sighs> and and we also meet, uh, uh, what is it, Earphone ear Jack girl's parents? Yes, Earphone Jack's parents. And her dad's trying to be all, like, uh, tough. He's trying to be super tough. It's not working. Yes. Uh, and then we... And the reason why they're meeting with all the parents is that the principal's trying to push for a dormitory. Yeah, easier to protect the students if they're always on campus. True. Always where the high concentration of heroes is. <laughs> And then we get to Midoriya's house. Yes, where they've already had this really touching father-son exchange on the beach. Where Midoriya cries it out over losing the symbol of peace and All Might having to retire. And All Might being all proud of Izuku for being responsible and growing and promising to invest everything in him and promise to be a better teacher and really establishing himself even more so than he already has as Izuku's active father figure which how amazing is that to just have your childhood idol show up and say I'll be your dad <laughs> in, in most then, cases don't meet your idols but uh I guess in, in this, this case, case it, it turned good. out, yeah. And then he, All Might does the smart thing here. He sends Aizawa off to the next house and goes in alone. In which case we get to see uh, just which parent Izuku clearly takes after most. Yep. As both he and his mom flip their shit and practically freeze in fear that All Might is here. <laughs> oh. And we get, and I think Carrie's trying to bring this up as well, this delightful little moment where All Might gets a peek into Izuku's room <laughs> and sees just how much of a fan this boy is. All Might, All Might, All Might, All Might, All Might. All Might, all the time. And did he give like a knowing that's like, uh, that's about right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. I, I like the meme of um, Midoriya watching the uh, the video of All Might or, like, again, being, uh, his mom putting it on, and he's just, like, banging his head against the chair. Izuku, dance until you die. Yes. Yeah, that's a pretty great little meme that popped up. But, yeah. <laughs> It's it's pretty accurate. But yeah, so we get this uh, delightful scene where, you know, All Might brings up the fact that they probably got a letter that UA was doing a dorm system. And surprising both All Might and Izuku because 
Izuku had already talked to about this. Mom's against it. Mom is concerned for her baby boy because she was okay with him watching his heroes from afar because he had no quirk and he couldn't really be in harm's way that way. And yeah, this is the point where we get the, conf the confliction of emotion on Izuku's mom because on one hand, she's being a good mom and trying to look out for her child's well-being because he keeps getting hurt after his quirk miraculously appeared. The yeah. doctor said that if he injures his arms too badly again, he's going to lose them. That's good mom. Bad mom is her being okay with Izuku having to give up on his dream of being a hero. And, spoiler alert out there for you people at home, it is never a good thing to have your child's dream squashed. If your child dreams for something, if it's being a hero, being an artist, being a librarian, encourage that. Foster it. Give it everything you possibly can. Because alongside the child itself, that child's dreams should be one of your most important things, too. And that is family in a nutshell. It doesn't even matter if they're your biological kid. It's something to be held sacred. And we see that bit of conflict in Izuku's mom, and we see him rush out of the room. And you think, oh, he's, he's just going to cry it off. All Might told him not to be such a crybaby um, while they're both bawling on the beach together. Um, but she also said that she didn't want him going to UA. Right, he, and he, he comes he back. Yeah. It doesn't have to be UA. Anywhere is fine because of this. And he pulls out the letter from Kota. Oh, great callback to Kota. And you can see the creases on it where it's been folded and unfolded numerous times and how hard he clutches it to himself because it's so important to him. Because as he explains to his mother, for just that one moment, he got to be someone's hero. And it moves All Might, literally and figuratively, as he gets up from the seat, takes off the house slippers, and does one of the most traditional Japanese things we've seen on this show, and a lot of shows that we've watched for that matter, and he presses his forehead to the ground and starts begging her to change her mind. And when he does this, he hits muscle form. The thing that he said he couldn't do anymore for more than a few split seconds and spewing blood out from his injuries and pushing himself too far. And this exchange goes on showtime and real world time for several minutes that he is fighting to hold this form and beg this woman to let him teach Izuku to be the teacher he needs to protect him from this harm that she's worried about and god damn it if that doesn't hit you right in the feels oh. and because he believes that Izuku is the next uh symbol of peace 
And there's that, yeah. I mean, we know he becomes the greatest hero. It's the first well, line it's of... It's right there in the opening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, I like a good long anime, character development, plot, and all that. But, uh, oh, man, I hope it gets a few more seasons and we it just doesn't turn into the 700 episode One Piece. I mean, well, One Piece is go- still going fucking strong. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It's like way past 700 at this point. And it's still legitimately good. I am caught up with the One Piece manga and it is still going extremely strong. Everything that is happening in it was put there by Oda specifically. It's not going in the loop of Shonen Jump once more, Shonen Jump once more. Mm. He has a story to tell and sometimes stuff gets added to it, but it's because he thought of something new to put into it. Mm. It's not because they're forcing him. So Writers generally refer to this as discovery writing. Mm-hmm. In the, in the process of making what they were already going to make, something comes out from somewhere they weren't aware of, and it just clicks into place. So yeah. honestly, I would be fine with My Hero Academia becoming another One Piece. What I don't want is another Naruto where it just goes off the fucking rails into batshit insanity. <laughs> All for One comes back, resurrects All Might from the dead after killing him. Combines him with, you know, Shigaraki and every other, you know, villain quirk on the planet to make this uber monster that only One for All can defeat. Because that's part of what makes this show and this the series in general, not just the anime, not just the manga, this whole package so fantastic, is it treats everyone fairly. You get story on the back on the background characters because they're not really background characters the story is being told from Izuku's perspective he opens it up with this is the story of how I became the world's greatest hero so of course we're getting it from his point of view it's going to focus on him but it still shines the spotlight frequently on the other people in this world and what makes them heroes and what makes them villains and all through these seasons we've seen so much of that and so little of the things that drag down other shonen anime. We've had two filler episodes this entire series so far. One was an episode dedicated to Froppy, which everyone fucking loved because Froppy. Yes. And we had the recap episode at the start of this season that just fit in naturally. It didn't feel like the traditional clip reel here's what you missed last time it was fun it fit perfectly with the rest of the series and, and it didn't feel like filler at all yeah and in that first episode they showed that Midoriya is getting stronger physically not mm-hmm. just like court based court based power he's like he's physically he's he's uh, lifting growing weight up. yeah he's growing up yes um what else oh we find out um, not a lot more information about um, what's his name, the uh, leader of the uh, the League of Villains. Now, 
The new you got Akitomona? Yeah. That, uh, yeah, so it's part of um, All for One's plan. Now he's the leader. Now he has to step up. Yeah, he, he all, all for One is deliberately invoking the cliche that I'm glad the author didn't invoke with All Might. He is literally pushing the trope button, and he says as much. He let himself get taken so that it could create resentment and anger in his underlings and force Shigaraki to step up. And, you know, he's saying, oh, you're supposed to do this as a leader. You're supposed to leave your students and basically push the baby birds out of the nest. Whereas All Might is taking the road of you're supposed to stay by them and love them and let them step up, but still be there for them. And we do see just how much love in his heart that All Might has. That his first reaction to finding out that Shigaraki is his predecessor's grandchild is to want to save him. Or that he cries tears of joy because he wants, because he's glad that Deku is safe. He bows his head to the floor to get, to beg Izuku's mom's permission to teach him. He has been a pillar for so long that people forget to see him as a person. It's rare that anybody actually addresses him as Toshinori, which is his real name. The only one that addresses him by that is Jet, right? Uh, Gran Torino, yes. Uh, Gran Torino, whose quirk is Jet. Yes. Who? Holy crap, how the hell is he still alive from a punch like that? Because he's... He's a retired hero. Think about what that implies. When you when you think about hero work, you, you got one of two things going on. What what did uh, Green Goblin say in the Spider-Man movies? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's what normally happens. If Gran Torino is a retired hero, stop and think about what that says about him as a hero. <laughs> He's and been I mean, around a while. Yeah. yeah, he has. And he's tough enough that All Might is afraid of him. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, we have only ever seen All Might as the symbol of peace. We get little bits and pieces of his, inf of his relationship with Deku before, but now that he's forced into retirement and he's forced to show his vulnerable form to the rest of the world, we get... Yagi Toshinori, the human man. And I fucking love that. Hmm. He didn't die a god. He returned to the realm of the mortals and has to reconcile that. Show's real damn good. <laughs> and we still have one more episode left this season. Yep. That we do. Looks like it's going to be a real fun one, too. Oh, man. And here I thought we weren't going to have enough content to talk about all, all episode long. 
We managed. We managed. We gave it our all. Might. Oh my god, you guys. I love All Might. I love All Might so much. He really is a fantastic character. Like, for for someone that was designed to be sort of... a parody on the Golden Age Superman archetype... beautifully handled. Yeah. He's... Even, even in his, you know, pillar of uh, symbol of peace you know, godlike state, he was still way more human than anything I ever saw Superman do. Oh. Um oh what's what's his name? The fire dude. Endeavor. Endeavor. Oh, yeah. We forgot is... Endeavor flipping his shit. Endeavor yeah. is pissed. Not like this. I can't accept this. Not like this. And he's never gonna be able to prove it that he's number one. Yeah, you can't surpass the number one when the number one has taken themselves out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. He is now number one by default. Oh. And that by default is going to kill him probably for the rest of his life. It's really burning his britches. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <sighs> Endeavor. Oh my god. The thing is, I mean, he's not okay. he's not a terrible because he is a hero. He he knows they wouldn't yeah, make horrible a... people a hero. Yeah, he, he is a hero. He's just also an asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> just because he's her a, a hero doesn't make him heroic. That's true. And now he's going to have to come to grips to that with that. Yeah, ah, man. Now that he's the... Technically right now, he is the strongest hero. Yeah. It might be by default, but I mean... Deku isn't a hero yet. He's not a hero yet, and... He's not a frankly, licensed hero yet. He's not a licensed hero yet, and frankly, as he is right now, if it came down to who is the more capable hero, him or Endeavor, it's gotta go to Endeavor. He's got more experience than him. Exactly. More experience and more control. Yeah. This is, this is a man who makes facial hair out of flame. That says something about his level of control over his quirk. <laughs> It's not that his... Because we, we, we've seen him now not all suited up. Yeah. That, that is purely cosmetic. It's not like his hair turns into fire. He is literally making a flame goatee and beard. <laughs> He's doing it on purpose. It is a conscious decision. And that's fucking impressive. Ooh, talk about razor burn. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. It's what I do. And uh, you know what else we do? What else do we do? Well, we're going to be at uh, Metricon in Tampa, Florida, 
July 19th to the 22nd with two, count them, two panels with the Anime Otaku Show Presents Studio Trigger, Subversion, Inspection, and Looking Beneath the Surface in Anime Track B Panel Room 25 on Saturday, July 21st at 10 a.m. until 10.50 a.m. And if you really like us that much, you can stick around in that very same room for the panel immediately following it. Anime Otaku Show 2017 and 2018 Early Anime in Review. Again, same anime track panel B Room 25 from 11 a.m. to 11.50. Because if you don't get enough of us on Monday nights every other weekend, in this case, three weeks in a row, uh, yeah, you can get two back-to-back hours of us face-to-face-to-face-to-face-to-face. Face. To face. <laughs> uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so at show at geek-io.net or uh, pretty much every social media out there is slash geek.io show. If you want to give us a call on the geek hotline, you can do so at 727-489-4335. That's 727-489-GEEK. And uh, yeah, uh, surprise extra anime otaku show for you guys this week. Uh, yeah, we will see you next time when we have yet more fantastic series to talk about. Indeed, but first, show titles. Uh, that's right. Uh, throughout the show, you can add show titles to showbot.tv slash geekio. And uh, this is the part of the show where Carrie embarrasses herself by reading off the list. So we have Cross My Heart. Discount Duo Maxwell, Into the Fridge, Outshown by Space Assholes, Foreign Contact, All Might All the Time, and We Gave It Our All, dot dot dot, Might. So yeah, we got a couple of good contenders this week. Um, it, it's really hard to pick, because they're, they're all pretty fantastic I am a little bit partial to Outshone by Space Assholes because I wasn't trying to make an episode title there but it works out real well considering how much we've talked about Darling in the Franks more than the other shows in this uh, little thing we've been doing um, but yeah if you want to cast your vote we will uh, tally those up and get ourselves a show title here somebody please vote for something because right now everything except Cross My Heart has one vote <laughs> the space assholes are victorious let's hope not they are indeed assholes up oh, we got a we got a, we got a leader taking a shape here <laughs> going once going twice sold ding 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 anime otaku show episode 18 outshone by space assholes and potato. Potato. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, thank you, Loki, for the Patreon support and subscription. Uh, Dave, it was good seeing you swing by. Uh, I see you disappeared a little bit, but always good to have you around. Uh, thank you, Death by Mage, for swinging by. As per usual, you are a delight to have on uh, board for these things. And uh, to everyone else, thank you. And good night. Oyasuminasai. Night. night. I read it was Water Buffalo, and I hope you've enjoyed this KKO Media Network production. 
copyright 2018. You see how that works? Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>